Hey, I'm Alok, the host of Build the Change, a brand new podcast from MacBlue about the people at the center of progress. Join us on a journey across the country as we uncover stories about the everyday folks working together to build something bigger than themselves. Real change. You'll hear from students in Appalachia advocating for LGBTQ-friendly books in their communities, healthcare workers providing telehealth abortions across the country, immigrant farm workers fighting for their safety in the blazing sun, and candidates in states with razor-thin margins. Listen to Build the Change now wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to Democracy-ish. I'm Torre. And I'm Danielle Moody. And we interrupt our ongoing coverage of a black man murdered by a police officer to talk about the story of a black boy murdered Ah. by a police officer, which followed the story of the release of a videotape of a situation five months ago when a black army lieutenant just narrowly escaped being murdered by police officers. Only his intelligence and calm that he learned in the United States armies allowed him to survive. But Dante Wright, say his name. He was 20 years old. He was a boy. He was murdered by a police officer named Kim Potter, who has been charged with second degree manslaughter. And it's just, I I mean, I was not Nostradamus when I said before the Chauvin trial ends, we will have another one of these because that is the cycle of America before the trial for one of these can end. Another one rises up. It reminds me of when we were in the streets, what, a year year or some ago, uh, uh, yelling about Ahmaud Arbery and George Floyd. And then we just had to amend our chant to include Breonna Taylor. Um, and Rayshard Brooks and Jacob Blake. And I mean, the pain and the trauma of being black on a just just in terms of dealing with normal America is immense. Yeah, you know, I, I continue to feel incredibly exhausted and Amanda Gorman the poet laureate laureate uh who spoke at inauguration she tweeted at the beginning of this week and it spoke to me she said being alive while black is exhausting take care of yourself and each other I can't tell you how many times I find myself and then also listening to my friends who are exhausted, who are like stricken with grief. Danielle, how am I supposed to be expected to answer emails and do these fucking projects and this work 
when I'm just waiting. I feel like all of us are a ticking time bomb just waiting to go off, waiting for us, somebody that we know, to become the next hashtag, waiting for the next press conference when maybe it's you, Torre, or myself that is in the in the place of uh, Dante Wright's aunt who is screaming, who is crying, who is begging to be heard. But then white people want to talk to us about property loss. You want to talk to us no. about who the fuck is looting? Well, they want to talk about like, well, if you just comply, then you'd be good. No. Let me tell you something about complying. Okay? <laughs> Narrow fucking white person I see has complied when they're bringing uh, bazookas and AR-15s up to state capitol buildings because they don't want to wear a fucking mask. I mean, we have clearly seen that compliance alone will not save your life. As soon as you are a black person interacting with the police, you are one foot in the grave, no matter Mm. how small the traffic stop is. And this is part of the problem, that the modern police force is a traveling Karen riding around making sure that you are wearing your seatbelt and you have paid your registration and you ate your vegetables and you did all these little things. You did not have air freshener hanging from your rearview mirror and your tints are only 35% and not 36% and blah, 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 blah. And all these things are excuses to do two things. Number one, Mm -hmm. pull you over for pretty much any reason that the cop wants so they can search the car for guns and drugs which allows them to arrest you, uh, you know, seize the car, seize the home, seize any number of things. But also, short of that, impose a small fine. And this is because police officers are partly in the job of collecting revenue for the city. So they, they pulled you over for some bullshit offense, got the chance to maybe rack you up for something big, um, and then hit you with a forty or sixty dollar fine or an eighty dollar fine for some small police. This none of this has to do with public safety. This has to no. do with generating revenue and giving the police far too much power to peer into the lives of everyday law-abiding citizens. This is not about no-knock warrants where we suspect that significant activity is happening. Right. This is not even about wiretapping, which. Uh, uh, you know, phones are, like we're so Americans are so concerned about like, oh, my God, they're listening. And these are the police can just roll up on pretty much anybody at any time for any reason. As soon as you get in a car, you are completely vulnerable. I saw a I saw a clip today of an officer pulled a black man over. For going 65 in a 70 mile per hour zone, five miles less than the speed limit. And the officer pulled him over like, I just want to check on you. I don't need you fucking checking on me. I don't need you carrying me and looking after me and checking on me. And you have a paper tag instead of a steel tag. And you have a this. And a, no, I need you to exit to need serious probable cause to stop me. Otherwise, we should not be interfacing. You know, what I think is really troubling, and this is what we learned during Ferguson, right? Which is for profit how, policing. How yeah, how police have become a for profit business that is in the pro it, it that is in the business 
of penalizing the poor and criminalizing poverty in order to keep their lights on. What's funny, though, is that they receive so much fucking federal assistance, so much fucking money for their tanks and their G.I. Joe outfits and their new helmets and their pepper sprays and all of these fucking things that you shouldn't need to pull people over. You shouldn't. And you also you shouldn't be presenting police officers with quotas that they need to meet in order for them to seem like they are doing their fucking jobs. Well, totally. it, it, It is totally wrong to have weapons of war used in Iraq, Afghanistan or built for Iraq and Afghanistan be spread around to American police forces. That makes absolutely no sense. This is not how we should be approaching citizens and like the the police department of Bangor, Maine, where they have 10 police officers, does not need some gigantic Humvee truck, right? Like that, you just don't need that. And you're approaching citizens in that way, in this militaristic way, gets us off an entirely wrong foot. Now, look, I'm not saying that a lot of these mid-sized municipalities don't need more money. There's been a an ongoing uh, desire to have taxes go down. I understand that. At a certain mm-hmm. level, they've gone so low that we cannot fund the city to the level that we are used to. Citizens do mm-hmm. want to pay less, but they do not want to have the services drop. Okay, so what does a city do? They use the police to extract more money from the citizens. Now, if you set up a random speed trap in a upper middle class neighborhood and dinged every Mercedes that went by um, for for $60 or $80 for going two miles over the speed limit because you had your zero tolerance policy, um, you'd get a bunch of people who are making calls and bringing up lawyers and saying, like, you know, this is bullshit. You do that in a black neighborhood and nobody's going to, most of those people don't have the political power to speak back, right? To fight back in a very, in an effective way. So, I understand the cities may have a genuine need for more money, but this this regressive, aggressive and regressive tax taxation, where we are basically using the police to attack the poor and extract money from them, is completely the wrong way to do it. And this is what we see with uh, Lieutenant Nazario and Dante Wright that they were pulled over for small things. Because the police want to be issuing us tickets for small things to collect more. I mean, like, look, if you're an officer, most police departments don't have quotas to where you must do six arrests and six tickets or something else. But you got to keep up with the Joneses, right? Like, you got to be in. But that's 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 the the virtual point and the problem. It's a virtual quota. It's not a specific number. But you got to be in the realm of others in your department, right? Like you got to be keeping up with them in general, right? They're not given a specific number. Let me tell you something. There is a reason why. I grew up on Eastern Long Island. At the end of each month, you would know how many cops would be out on the LIE here. It's called the Long Island Expressway on the LIE just waiting to fucking pull people over, but only at the end of every month when they then need to present their fucking numbers. Right. Right. If we make 
the public safety should not be about a a a number right. that you're hitting, right? So here's another but thing. But if then. you're not making this a is, certain no, but if you're not making arrests and writing citations, you're not doing your job. But that's not creating public safety. No. So here's another thing. This was this was tweeted uh this week as well from one of the candidates for mayor of New York City, Maya Wiley. The New York Police Department, which has a budget of $6 billion with a B, have spent $70 million to create, and I'm going to show you on the screen, but people can't see, a robot dog that is now placed in public housing buildings where largely where the poor black and brown people live. So the new robot dog, the NYPD invested $70 million to place a dog to police people as if we are literally living in hunger games, or black right? Mirror, black mirror, black mirror, hunger games, whatever the fuck that it is. $70 million into the school system here that has 1.2 million children that didn't have enough fucking iPads or computers or broadband in order to ha- in order to be homeschooled during the pandemic. Yep. Right. I-, I just don't un- like when you look at what countries, especially the United States, invest in, it is anything but people. Yeah. It is anything but people. Yes. And then we wonder why things look the way that they do. We also have a police force that approaches black and brown people as if I must, at once, I must prove my dominance and my superiority. I must get your obeisance and your worship rapidly. And if you, if you question me, even the slightest bit, I will attack you as if an animal attacking another to establish dominance and at the same time feeling and or claiming lying about feeling fear and like i understand that if you pull over a car you don't know who's in it there's a possibility that you know anything could happen to a police officer but maybe you shouldn't be pulling over so many cars for such reasons maybe we shouldn't be pulling over cars because I witnessed the driver not wearing a seatbelt or because he didn't signal a lane change. Maybe we should reserve stopping cars for more substantive things. If you are speeding, if I suggest, if I suspect, if I'm an, the officer suspects that you are driving drunk, fine, because you are endangering yourself and other citizens. But you didn't turn on your blinker for a lane change and now you've pulled somebody over. These are... Ex- and then... And then if you're Sandra Bland, you end up dead. These are three days later to collect money from citizens. That's all that is. It's not even an attempt to create public safety. But because officers are compelled to make arrests, because they the part of what we talked didn't talk about is that when officers want to get promotions, they need to talk about how many arrests and citations they've made. So. If you haven't made a bunch of arrests and citations, you have no chance to get a promotion. Um, Every arrest and ticket an officer writes means he goes to court 
to talk about what he did. Most office in most places, the moment you set foot in court, you have qualified for two to three to four or five hours of overtime immediately, even if you spend five minutes in court. So officers who need some more money to, you know, to get something or to pay some bill can just write a bunch of sites. I mean, like, I've definitely had those times when officers write me tickets and they're like, they're, they're basically like, you know, I, I know, just go to court and tell them that blah, 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 blah. Well, then why are you writing the ticket? Why are you bothering me sending me into the bureaucracy on a ticket that you know is bullshit because you have to write it because you just being there, even if it's thrown out, you get more money. Like, the system is entirely <laughs> insane. But because officers must write tickets and citations and make arrests, and because the law from the Supreme Court gives them much more latitude to do that in black areas, they are much more likely to do those things to black people. But they need to compel our cooperation. Thus, being violent and trigger happy toward us creates the vibe of I better I better listen to this occupying force, which is I mean, what what that officer said to Nazar Lieutenant Nazario, I am afraid to step out of the car. You should be. I just like the attitude of those, like the attitude. It's the same shit, the smugness that we saw on Derek Chauvin's face as he knelt with his sunglasses on his head, hand in his pockets, squeezing the life and oxygen out of George Floyd's body. It is this idea that they can do whatever the fuck they want and no one can do anything about it. You know, I want to talk about Kim Potter for a minute. Let's do it. 26 years. Kim Potter is on the police force. 26 years. Longer than he was alive. Six years, six years longer than Dante Wright was alive, right? She's a trainer. Trains other officers, this woman, this white woman. Trains other officers. You posted on your Instagram, Torrey, and I took it and put it in my story. I saw that. The picture of the nine millimeter Glock, the gun. The picture of the plastic bright yellow taser with an entirely different handle and trigger. The weight is different. The, the weight is, is different. different. The feel is different. The 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 actual material is different. Everything about this is the different. Side the woman of is the on body the that force on is different. 26 years. Dante Wright's aunt said this. I watched the video, which I I don't I don't even know how family watches these videos. I really don't because as a just as a black person, I find it difficult to watch these videos having no other attachment to folks. She said she held out the gun right in front of her. You have to unlock the safety in order to fire. So are we to believe that Kim Potter is also colorblind, doesn't understand various texture and feel at the time that she then says, oh, shit, I shot him just as like doing her best. What Meryl Streep? 
This show is part of the. From the New Yorker staff writer Vincent Cunningham, a keenly observed novel of a young black man searching for his place in the world amidst a moment of historic change. Great Expectations is about David's 18 months working for the senator's presidential campaign. Along the way, David meets a myriad of people who raise a set of questions, questions of history, art, race, religion, and fatherhood that force David to look at his own life anew and come to terms with his identity as a young black man and father in America. Inspired by the author's experiences working on Obama's 2008 presidential campaign, Cunningham uses a political campaign as his narrative backbone. Great Expectations will be one of the talked about novels of the year, Colin McCann. Great Expectations is available wherever books are sold. Hey, I'm Alok, the host of Build the Change, a brand new podcast from MacBlue about the people at the center of progress. Join us on a journey across the country as we uncover stories about the everyday folks working together to build something bigger than themselves. Real change. You'll hear from students in Appalachia advocating for LGBTQ-friendly books in their communities, healthcare workers providing telehealth abortions across the country, immigrant farm workers fighting for their safety in the blazing sun, and candidates in states with razor-thin margins. Listen to Build the Change now wherever you get your podcasts. Pro-Democracy Podcast Coalition. The midterms are coming and it's more important than ever that we protect and fix our elections. We all know that our government is broken. Politicians spend more time working for themselves, their big donors, and their political party instead of for us. We as Americans have had enough of the corruption, partisan bickering, and gridlock. Look, I get that all the nonsense makes you want to tune out, but I'm here to tell you there's reason for hope. Our political system is broken now, but we can fix it. That's why we've partnered with Represent Us a nonpartisan grassroots organization that has helped notch more than 160 victories to improve our elections and give power back to the voters where it belongs. Right now until November, there are many, many ways you can get involved. Represent Us is working in cities and states to pass good government policies like ranked choice voting. And they're also recruiting folks to help staff the polls. Let's protect our elections now and for generations to come. Visit represent.us slash pod to learn more. That's represent.us slash pod. Hey there, this is Christina Gonzalez, and I'm so excited for you to check out my new podcast, Politics of Food. On this show, we explore the political, economic, and social implications of food creation and consumption, both locally and worldwide. Should we eat first or should we protest first? Like, okay, <laughs> let's organize, let's talk to the press, let's get our word out, and then let's sit down and eat. Follow Politics of Food with Christina Gonzalez at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your shows. I believe that she did make a mistake. It's an unacceptable mistake, and the level of incompetence is insane. But I believe, just from listening to her, what she said before the shooting and after she realized that she shot him and didn't taser him, I believe that she did think she was holding her taser. I get it. They're on different sides of the body. They're different weights. They're different colors. You are holding this thing out in front of you 
for several seconds, plenty of time to realize this is not the bright yellow taser. And you shouldn't have been reaching for a weapon at all. You should not have tasered him. You wanted to taser him. You should not have tasered him. He was getting into the car. If you tasered him, the car could have careened off and crashed into somebody or something and hurt other people. Most police departments say, policy, do not shoot at moving cars because that can create other damage for other people. But she just, I believe, just from hearing what she said, she thought that she grabbed her taser. She thought she tasered him. That's what I think. Incompetent, unacceptable. It's not like, it's just, I'm not saying it's just a mistake. It is a mistake, but it's an unacceptable mistake. Like, if you're, a, if you're driving in a car, you thought you pressed the brake and you pressed the gas, you plow into a truck, unacceptable mistake. You have to be better than that. You're flying a plane, you press down instead of up, you crash the plane, you have to know it. It's not, oh, I just made a mistake. I made a mistake when I put, uh, you know, coffee instead of milk in the bowl this morning. I pulled my gun, my Glock instead of my taser. We need to have another word in the language for that. Besides, mis- yes, it's a mistake, but it's it's a it's it's. It wasn't beyond. a mistake, Torre. It wasn't a fucking mistake. She knew exactly what the fuck she was I doing. Think, I, I am so fuck no. I am tired of no because I'm not going to continue to fall for the fucking narrative that is put out there that, oh, it's simple human error. Because every time that these police officers make their fucking error, one of us ends up dead, right? I, it was, oh, Kim Geiger. It was, oh, it was a mistake. I didn't realize well, that was, was, I was walking that was into bullshit. an apartment I thought I was that wasn't mine apartment and I was on a completely different apartment. car. That's bullshit. You knew you were not in your apartment. Like, that. you got to be insane. Like, you thought you were your apartment. Oh, please. I don't buy her at all. I'm not saying that Kim Potter should not Stephon pay dearly Clark. for her mistake. Mistake. I thought he was holding, I thought he was holding a gun and not his cell phone in his own goddamn backyard. I Oscar thought, Grant. Oh, it was a mistake. I thought I took out my taser and not my gun that shot him multiple I times. I thought that he was superhuman and was going to flip me in the car over. I get it. I get it. I get it. I No. Fuck I, fuck I, I, them. I'm not saying fuck them and their mistakes I, and their narrative I, and their bullshit. I'm I'm no. I I no. you know, the thing is that in the other examples, I agree with you that it's bullshit and I know that officers have their playbook of shit that they say. And when I first heard the former uh chief say she thought she grabbed her taser and she actually grabbed a Glock, I was like bullshit. There are different sides of the body, different weights, different colors, different feels. There's a system in place to prevent that. When I saw the video, and I'm not saying that she should not be punished, that she did not make a tragic error, that she should not perhaps go to jail for what she did. I don't think that she pulled her gun and yelled, taser, 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 and meant to murder him and then said, oh, my God, I shot him. The way she says, oh, I shot him, she's clearly not saying to my ear, I got him. She's like, oh, shit. And this is in the millisecond after it happens. Her very first reaction is like, oh, fuck. I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying it's excusable. It's totally inexcusable. Yeah, I just don't. I don't care. 
I, I hear I'm, you. I I'm, don't I'm, care. I, you know, I, I really, I have lost the ability to give anybody the benefit of the, to give police officers the benefit of the doubt. I don't give a fuck if you fear for your life. Go into another fucking profession where you don't have to fear for your life. Go into a profession then if you were so accident prone where your accidents don't then result in somebody else's fucking death. 26 years. You want me to believe that that this is that this is an accident. Was it an accident in recent reports that are coming out from Hennepin County that she also coached officers into how to lie to get out of another murder? Right. Take your body cameras off, leave in separate cars. This bitch, get the fuck out of here. Like all of it. If you believe one, they want you to believe it all. And frankly, I believe none. I believe none. I think that they're all full of shit. And frankly, you know what? If cops in this country were only allowed to fucking carry tasers like they are in other countries where cops don't carry lethal weapons, maybe, maybe we would be in a better place. But then we would just have a bunch of probably paralyzed black people as opposed to dead ones. Because they would tase us until we lost consciousness. I can't stand this country. I really can't. I find it exhausting to be here. It is exhausting. But I don't know where else to fucking go. Where else are we going? I don't know. There's no place else to go. Where else can you go? She shouldn't have been interacting with him at all. She shouldn't have pulled him over at all. A lot of people who have been in these... Uh, press conferences in Minnesota have been very inspiring and very powerful. And I'm not talking about the people behind the mic. I'm talking about the community who's come to hold the mayor and the police chief and the others um, to task. And they keep talking about, we're in COVID. We have a bureaucracy that is semi-paralyzed. Things that used to take three days now take three months. Why are you pulling us over for a lack of a registration, a lack of... A la- I tried to comply with the bureaucracy. I sent my stuff in on time. They sent it back to me three months later. Do you think the police are unaware of these things? Are they unaware that we're in COVID? Why are you pulling over these people for these ticky-tack offenses? It's really unacceptable. Like The police are the only people who are unaware we're in a special situation in, in human life right now. We need to take it easy. Uh, you know, the comply people who were like, you know, well, if he just didn't try to run, he was 20. She's a professional. On the job, 26 years. She's an adult. If she didn't pull a weapon, he wouldn't be, he wouldn't be alive. He would be alive. If she didn't stop him, he would be alive. Don't blame him. But why did he try to run? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Because he's fucking terrified and didn't want to die. Yeah. Do you see what happened to George Floyd? You see how happened? See what happened to Philando Castile? You see how many, how often we get killed. And we, it's not like we are always aware of that. We walk around thinking about that all the time. Yeah. I think black people are 100% aware constantly as i move through the world i could be hurt or killed by a police officer even if i'm doing nothing wrong it is a complete kafka-esque situation i could follow every law very carefully and still get pulled over by the police and get killed at any time any day could be your last 
We know this. I mean, like he the, knew the, that. the level, the level of stress and anxiety and fear. And we wonder why the black community is plagued with so many illnesses because the number uh-huh. one illness that is killing us is white supremacy. Yeah. The number one illness that is killing us is racism. Yeah. Right. Because it is whether it whether you die at the hands of a police officer with a badge or a white vigilante with a grudge, it doesn't fucking matter. I'm telling you, I, CD, I, 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 mean, I, you know, it's a I don't great, know, folks. it's a great week to make that point when the CDC just just came out and declared racism as a serious public health threat. It affects the health of our entire nation, the CDC director said. And yeah, I think that it affects us in myriad ways from what you're talking about in terms of the police and hate groups to the way that COVID hits us uh, even more than it hits white people, the way that certain diseases hit us more than, you know, how, how just the stress and strain of living mm-hmm. with racism and white supremacy shortens our lives. Um, there's mm-hmm. so many, many ways that this lands on us. And, um, you know, I, 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 I mean, if you really think you can blame the brother for trying to run, you know, I, I wouldn't teach my son to run from the police, but I cannot, I can't blame you. If you're like. Hey, I'm Alok, the host of Build the Change, a brand new podcast from Mac Blue about the people at the center of progress. Join us on a journey across the country as we uncover stories about the everyday folks working together to build something bigger than themselves. Real change. You'll hear from students in Appalachia advocating for LGBTQ-friendly books in their communities, healthcare workers providing telehealth abortions across the country, immigrant farm workers fighting for their safety in the blazing sun, and candidates in states with razor-thin margins. Listen to Build the Change now wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. I got to get out of here. These people might murder me. I mean, they're going to. And the thing is, again, with the comply bullshit, they're going to murder you if you comply. They're going to murder you if you don't. They're going to murder you if you decide to tint your windows. They're going to murder you if you don't. They're going to murder you if you decide to spray air freshener as opposed to having it hang in and hang in the window. If you get a new car, if you are walking, if you're not walking, if you're sleeping in your bed, it doesn't fucking matter. If you are black, you are a target. That's it. Plain and simple. You are a target. And living like that, living on the edge like that all the time. Yeah. Black people deserve a, you want to give me reparations? I'll take the money. You know what else I'll take? 
two years off paid for every black person in this country so that you can rest and restore and recharge. Well, because, you- and, I would, and I'd love to see how the country exists during that time, this, too. We out. This is how about a- that? This has been an extraordinarily traumatizing week for us. Three stories of police violence and incompetence uh, in, in one week. What are you doing to try to create a little more sense of self-care and to sort of deal with your pain and trauma in this particular crazy week? I mean, what do I do? I do what I do every day. I meditate at least once. I try and meditate twice a day at the beginning and at the end. I went out and I did a 6.3 mile walk run. Like that's what I try and do on most nice days that are that are outside to try and get some fresh air. Being by water matters to me. Um, so I do that. And I continue to tell people on my shows, like, you know, I use my self-care as an act of resistance, right? Like you are not going to kill me. Like I am not going to get hypertension, diabetes, all of these things, you know, like just be stuck on my couch in depression. Like I'm not going to do that. So my self-care is an act of resistance. And I tell people to do the same. What do you do? I don't know. I mean, like, I know what my life consists of in terms of some meditation, some deep breathing, you know, exercise in terms of, for me, it's tennis every day, which really is is definitely a moment to be transported away from the real world. It really does become like an oasis when you're there in the park, when I'm there in the park, like you know, hitting forehands with somebody or playing a set with somebody. And like, you really are disconnected from the world. Um, But, you know, I'm not always as good at thinking actively about self-care. And like the Amanda Gorman tweet reminded me, like there are times like this when like, Maybe you need to just order that comfort food from DoorDash because <laughs> shit is crazy. Yeah. It's like you need, you need, you know, be like, hey, you know, I might need that that fried chicken and that donut to like, you know, to make sure I get through, <laughs> you know, because it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a lot. It's a lot. Um, it's a, it's a lot. It's, it, it, you know, I mean, like listening to the Chauvin trial which I can barely peel myself away from, but that's hard. And then you jump on social and there's always somebody with something stupid to say about, you know, well, George Floyd would be alive if only he had just kept breathing. Um, or, you know, Dante Wright would, <laughs> be, would be alive if, you know, he wasn't driving that car. Like, you know, he should have just listened to what the officers told him to do. Um, it's a lot. And those pricks get to you and i mean like the little like prick 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 you yeah gets to you it's like yeah death Death by a thousand death by a thousand cuts that's what it that's what it is that's what it feels like day in and day out that they're literally trying to bleed us dry to suck our souls to suck our life force out and 
you know, that's, I continue to say to folks like, you know, you want to have your, uh, your, your good comfort meal. Great. Do that. Do not make it an everyday thing <laughs> because again, right? Like that part of dis-ease, right? Will create that kind of disease, right? Like you have to figure out ways to do things that can lower the cortisol levels in your body and the stress so that you can continue to move on. I find it difficult. Continue to press forward. I find it difficult to not pay attention to what's going on in the news. Like I feel compelled to know what's going on with the Dante Raitt situation, the Jacob Blake situation, the Derek Chauvin situation. I mean, there's like, you know, five different active stories that we're following at once. I can't turn away because I really, I, I want to know what's going on. But I feel like there perhaps may be a need to turn away from social at some point because mm -hmm. that brings in a lot of the pain that, like, I can turn away from. Like, and, you know, like, I may need to enforce some sort of one or two or three day, like, Twitter break to, like, not pay attention. Because it's just this fire hose of toxicity um, that's just sort of shooting out at you daily. And, like, you know, I think for folks who've been on Twitter for a long time, it's it's a habit that's, like, a normal part of your life. And, like, you may not realize mm -hmm. how toxic it has become as opposed to where it Until was you turn it like off. 10, 10 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. You have to try, you, I, you know, I, I can't, I, I take off the weekends. I tell people that all the time. If there is news breaking on a Friday, Saturday, I will not hear about it because I take those days off of social media. Aside from being on Instagram to see pretty pictures and like wonderful memes, I am not on Twitter because I need a break. I don't need, I need to turn off the hose. The hose is not going to stop. And so you have to train yourself to say, I've had enough. And it's okay to say that I've had enough. I need a break. Tell people I'm woke AF, take a break so that you don't have a breakdown. Those things are important. If you don't do that, the whole, you, you know, you're just going to drown in it. And I don't want to drown in it. And I don't think that other people should either. It's too much, actually. It's too much. This particular week has been too much. Thank you for listening <laughs> to Democracy-ish. I'm Torre. And I'm Danielle Moody. And we'll be back next week if we can make it through this week. <laughs> Keep hanging on, folks. Buy your finger fucking nails. Get some press-ons. Maybe that'll help, too. <laughs>